Hello everyone, uh, just your friendly neighbourhood content warning guy again. Um, just to say in, in this second part of this episode, near the end in our niche of the better section, we got a bit of a rant about the seemingly endless stream of abusive male musicians. Um, and we do go on for a while about it and we don't kind of uh, sugarcoat it much. So if that's something that is potentially triggering to you or not something you want to listen to, then, uh, yeah, when you get to the niche of the better, you'll hear the music and you can turn off there. Cool. Enjoy the second part of the episode. And we're back with uh, part two on our chat on uh, ranking the discography of uh, St Albans Finest. Now, I did. I made that mistake <laughs> last time. They're not St Albans Finest because because uh, Gallows exists. But uh, well, they're probably more Hemel Hempstead. But anyway, <laughs> we're, talk, we're talking about Edith Shikari, and uh, the good news is um, that Chris and I haven't come to blows yet. No, and I'm going to address this now because I feel like maybe you've been holding back sometimes. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I was expecting. I was expecting more fireworks. I was expecting more passionate hatred. But but maybe you've mellowed in your opinion of them. In which case, fine. I think. Uh, I, but I, don't don't hold back. I can take. I it. think I I, I I I think I have. I think there's still some things that I don't, I kind of don't want to put out in the public domain that annoy me about them. Okay. Uh, well. Let's face it, they're probably a bit of a banker mum and dad band, aren't they? Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna give that I'm not gonna give that conversation any uh, airtime. <laughs> it's a moot point. Don't you mean it's moo? In the words of Joey from Friends, it's like a cow's point. It's moo. Anyway, so in in sixth place, uh, I had the spark, and you had common dreads. Yes. Uh, number five, I had a flash of colour, and you had take to the skies. Yep. Um, number four, I had common dreads, and you had um, the spark. what was it? The spark, right? Okay. Number three, we both had the mind sweep. The only one we got the same ranking for. That's quite cool. Uh, and uh, number two, you had a flash of colour. I had nothing yeah. is true and everything is possible. And number one, uh, you had um, Nitip, as I'll call it for short. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, I had take to the skies. Um. Yes, so we said in the first part we'd uh, cover briefly uh, some of their non-album singles. Um, yeah, we just uh, we discussed there with Flash Flood of Colour, Kill Surprise and Destabilise. Um, so you told me to listen to quite a few. We got Thumper, um, which was decent. Um, actually, no, Thumper was actually pretty good. Um, that was the earliest of them. I think that was, yeah. was either pre or post Common Dreads. I can't remember which around it was now. Right, okay. Yeah. Paddington Frisk, which I already knew of, which is great. Um, one I wanted to cover, which I didn't like, yeah. was uh, was, was Slipshod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it starts it's, it start, it starts yeah. really well, but that whole dinner party shtick gets old really quickly. It's 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 the all those things we were talking about earlier of the insincerity ruining their music, yeah. condensed yeah. into one massive <laughs> lump. 
<laughs> One massive lump of unpleasantness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what else was quite good? Rap Race. Um, yeah, Rap Race was good in. Didn't didn't connect so much with Radiate Redshift or Hoodwinker, I'm afraid to say, though. Yeah, see, I remembered Redshift and Hoodwinker being quite good, and then I listened back to them in prep for this and, and didn't get as much out of them as, as I thought as I thought mm. I remembered. Mm. Um, I think those those two from Flash Flood, I think, are definitely definitely the highlights of those and the ones that still stand out in the live uh, live performances. Uh, we didn't mention or talk about um, We Can Breathe in Outer Space because there's no need to. <laughs> really. <laughs> I think that was, a, that was a misstep. I think that was them kind of putting the feelers out a bit and, and seeing what people would think of it. Um, uh, okay, so uh, cool. Um, shall we do, I think it makes more sense to do Take to the Skies next. Um, it was our, if, to, we're, if we're aggregating the scores, it's the lower one, isn't it? Yes. Thanks yes. to me. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Because I'm going to open up the chat on this, uh, the chat on this record um, with perhaps my hottest take of the entire podcast. I would have been fine. Uh, leave it for a bit before you interrupt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have been fine if Enter Shikari had broken up after this album. Because I think this leads into my fondness of those, like, we were talking on a podcast before about rock sound cover CDs. And, like, it's of an era where you you think of, like, bands like, like bands doing this mad sort of mishmash of um, post-hardcore and electronics. Like, oh, you remember Idiot Pilot? Oh, remember Genghis Tron? And <laughs> th- they could be one of those. Like, oh, remember Enter Shikari, that yeah, band yeah, who, yeah. Who, who did the metalcore bits with the rave bits? Uh, th- they were fun, weren't they? I get your point, but I also think that, that it would be an unfair reflection of them because... I think they represent so much more now for the UK yeah, scene. And I agree. Like, and with the success, like the success that this album was, yes, there's no way they were ever going to leave it there, is there? Really? Oh, like, God no. I didn't. I didn't realize until today when I was reading up on it about the the fact about this album that mm-hmm. it was the first ever um, debut album released independently. Mm-hmm outside of the kind of usual record label system to do yep. remotely as well as it did. Yeah, yeah, it reached number four in the charts. Um, and so, and that's, like we said earlier, that's massively got to be down to, to yep. MySpace's kind of well, I mean, usage j- and, and all that side of things. J- j- just, just, just also on the, on, on the MySpace stuff, like um, they headlined the Astoria without a record deal or even releasing yeah. an album. Well, that, yeah, that was the insane. other thing. I didn't realise how how much they were kind of touring and releasing EPs before this album came out. Yeah, I knew yeah, they yeah. had done, but I didn't know quite how much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and demos, yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess that's, uh, as you alluded to earlier when I, when I released my ranking, yes, 100% of my love for this album is due to the nostalgia yeah. I've got for my best part. That it's, it's, it's just a fun time capsule to when I was young and I enjoyed this music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's 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 still got that charm. It's still got that appeal, and yes, like it has dated horrendously in parts. <laughs> I quite agree. I quite agree. Like some of it is almost unlistenable in twenty twenty one years. But um, yeah, like 
Some, the, some bits definitely haven't, though. There are some bits that they do on this album, I will give it to you. Some they still hold up. That, and that they don't do better anywhere else. Um, yeah. In certain, certain parts. Some of the more sort of post-hardcore-y elements to it and things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Let's, uh, I, um, I feel you're desperate to go into some uh, low lights considering you, uh, you ranked it so low, lowly. Um, so, um, um, not really. I mean, I have no, I have no, like, this album makes me smile. Yeah. Like, just, just like you said, like, it is a time capsule. You listen to it and immediately I'm, I'm in my first year of uni halls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, and it, it is. Just, I think the reason it's so low for me is just that if I'm, that there are parts of it that I find slightly embarrassing to listen to now, and kind of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of, uh, and it comes down to that dated kind of uh, yeah. thing. And and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the particular songs as well with regards yeah. to that. Um, mm-hmm. So so that there's not you know there's nothing I can go. I really hate that because I I don't you can never I could never hate this album. <laughs> it's just it's just I just think they've done much better things since. Um, I think the it's, I, I'm going to go in with it. So it's not my worst track overall. Mm. I mean, I can't believe I've gone for that one yet. But um, so, but my low light is, and hear me out on this: the ruining of Johnny Sniper. Right, the ruining of. Yeah, it's already pretty bad to start off with. I feel like it could have been a good song. Like, <laughs> right, <laughs> it's, it's it's got the elements of a good song in there. Yeah. Um, but they've decided to turn it into a 90s cartoon theme tune instead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean there. Yeah, uh, Johnny Sniper is my worst song on this record. Yeah, but not not far off from that is I um, sort of never really grasped onto how boring today won't go down in history is <laughs> until oh, re-listening okay. in, 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 um, for, for, for this yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> My notes for today won't go down history. I've just put ooh moody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, for the worst part, yeah, something you alluded to earlier. So, for um, silver medal, worst part is just those endless fucking interludes. Yeah. It's 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 what a ten eleven track record boosted up to a fifteen sixteen one because of all those fucking interludes. Just because of unnecessary <laughs> <Just> wankery, yeah. <laughs> Why not? We're we're a young band on our first album. Let's get too overexcited, like some kids, <laughs> kids on fizzy pop. Um, but yeah, the worst part of this record and the reason why it's aged so terribly is those fucking backing vocals. Still to this day. Yeah, horrendous, so yeah. bad, and it's and it's and it's not just Chris; it's all of them. Oh yeah, it's, like, the, it's the really it's the really cringy gang vocals and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I love a gang vocal, but like when there's four of you, it's not a fucking gang vocal, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's just some lads with a Mockney accent shouting. Uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be like. Uh, 
me, you, and our mutual friends, maybe uh, Ollie Cousins and Arcadi, <laughs> kind of trying to do a trying to do a like eighties American hardcore revival band or something. <laughs> like it's got that kind I of. Mean, vibe. I mean, I mean, on the face of it, that sounds fucking brilliant. Let's 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 do that immediately. <laughs> do but um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, less about our friendship group because uh, our listenership won't mean anything to them. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like um, I think. I can recall specific ones I hate, like the old man voice. Yeah. The the gritted teeth voice. Yeah, just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, thanks. No, no. That's, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, uh, uh, Return to Energizer is the song that always comes to mind yes. straight away with that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I, I know it's a it's a fan favourite, that song. Like, it's a lot of people's favourite mm-hmm. songs of the album. I don't know what you've chosen, obviously, I don't know. But um, I've never been able to get past that voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, um, yeah. Uh, any more lowlights you wanted to particularly point out? Uh, I mean, uh, only my worst song, which we haven't mentioned yet. Um, okay, go for it. I mean, I still don't know if I really mean this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... So it was my first favourite Enter Shikari song. Right. Um, okay. Cheesy as fuck. Yep. Uh, it's essentially uh, a bad metalcore band covering Van Halen's Jump. Is it Labyrinth? Well done. Um, I love Labyrinth. It's great I fun. Like I can't uh, help loving Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, this is this is it. It's my it's my worst song. If I am completely detaching myself from the album, yes. And, and do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I you know I enjoy it. Of course I do. It's it's Labyrinth, and I'm someone who knows Enter Shikari so I love it <laughs> um, but it's a bad song it's, 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 it's horrible <laughs> uh, yeah that's all I've got on that really um, uh, I feel I feel kind of similarly to Mothership at times I think Mothership was the first Shikari song I heard on the Rock Sound CD I think it was the demo version yeah um, and my first listen was f- like this is 2007 what on earth is this doing here? <laughs> um uh, but I, I think just, I, just I think, think maybe got... that I think maybe that track going gain traction because it was one of the easiest ones to link to that whole new rave. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I just really like uh, Labyrinth into No Sweat. I think that's a really fun mm. section of the record, and that then uh, especially after anything can happen in the next half hour, which I don't particularly enjoy that much. I think it's I do weak, quite like it. I think the best thing single. about it is the uh, best thing about it is the Stingray reference in the title. Yeah, yeah, that is good. <laughs> that is good. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, my best songs, and I can't choose bet- between the two. It's a toss-up. Okay. Are are Mothership and uh, and Okay Time for Plan B. Yeah. Um, yeah, like they're just stupid and hilarious M- uh, m- yeah mothership especially yeah it's cheesy as fuck um yeah, okay yeah. but like it's just funny just fun scream along stuff just yeah, totally yeah, yeah. totally disposable and um okay time for Brian b has that beast of a beat beat down I've uh, my all I've put as a note for okay's plan B is yep still had me flailing my arms about in the living room yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah my 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 top track was between that as well and 
Um, I went with sorry, you're not a winner in the end, just because yeah. it's it's their anthem, you know. It's it, it's, it's it's yeah, it's just nostalgia in a in a in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, think and still um, and they still play that one live, and it still always gets an amazing reaction. Um, and it's it's still it still works. It still yeah. works as a song live in, in the context of all their other stuff they've done since as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, this record. Um, I can't really justify why it's my number one beyond that, really. It's did just... You, did you mention a highlight, by the way? A highlight-like moment or anything? I can't remember. Um, just the best part of this record that um, that it being um, uh, fun to listen to when I was young. I mean, yeah. I've, I, I've, I, I've pointed to plenty of tracks I like, yeah, like, and, I, and I've pointed to, to the low lights too. This is a flawed mm. record, but I think... It's still got its charm. Yeah, and if it, yeah, and it, there's no denying, is there, that it does. If if you're anywhere around our kind of age, give or take, kind of I don't know, two mm-hmm. three years either way, mm-hmm. and you were into anything like this kind of music at the time, it's gonna it's yeah. gonna hit those notes for you, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, th- I just the only, the only thing we haven't mentioned that I feel like needs credit here is is the creation of the band theme. Uh, in the whole uh, still we will be here we'll be here standing like statue oh yeah fucking enter shikari as an intro yeah, yeah. yeah. it's 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 fantastic yeah. just just announcing your career as a as a recording album band with shouting a word shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i think what i was thinking there about like people our age um either um having a fondness, fondness to it i think I have that fondness to it because they were such a Marmite band. Like, mm. straight from the off, people either loved them or fucking hated them. And, like, I defended them from a love side, so, so that's why mm. I think I have such a fondness for this, for yeah. this record. And I think that's that probably like, why you've got more connection to it than I do as well, because, like I said earlier, my initial reaction was I hated it. Yeah. Um, and it took me a good, yeah, probably about six months or so, I think, to come round to it. Yeah. Right, so that uh, I think we're done there with Tate to the Skies, which brings us on to the biggest surprise for me mm. of, of, of this re-listen. So, yes, having lost interest in Shikari quite a while ago, being honest, I had completely ignored um, Nitip uh, when it, when it, on, it, on its arrival last year. And uh, I regret that now. Yeah. Immensely. It was genuinely, um, I never thought I would say this sentence in the last decade um it, it was in the running for my album of the year last year yeah uh, and well so i was i was i was having this thought and um while i was listening to it and discovering it and discovering yeah i actually really like this if i did a top sort of 10 or 20 i'm not sure how highly it would place if even it got in at all mm. but um enter shikari here have written a genuinely brilliant modern pop album and that is yeah. something I never expected yeah uh, and I'm really pleased that you've said what you have about it surprising you and kind of actually it being a lot better than you thought because I think it's done that for a lot of I know at least two other people that I've spoken to about this album who said exactly the same thing mm. um, so, so Paul my friend from uni who, who you know who's, who's going to hopefully come on at some point in the future um, he he was always one of those people who was pretty critical of them as a band generally sort of mm-hmm. a bit of a joke 
Yeah. Um, and he loves this album and it's made him go back and kind of appreciate stuff they've done before and things a bit more as well. Um, I think, to me, after The Spark, th- this was their make or break, essentially. Yep, yep. Um, and they fucking pulled it out of the bag. Yeah. Um, and I'm so which, pumped for them that they did. <laughs> which, begs, which begs the question. So, right. Um, and uh, this is sort of an overriding point, which is something I found annoying about Enter Shikari, as well as what I alluded to earlier. So... Enter Shikari are bands that are still loved and adored um, out there, uh, but they're a band who've made falters and missteps along the way. You've got mm. Common Dreads, which was, um, which was uh, Take to the Skies Part 2. You've got Flash Front of Colour, which you loved, but I felt was jumping on a dubstep bandwagon. And you've got The Spark, um, where like they sort of reacted to the mainstream, mostly dropping guitars by dropping the guitars. Mm. Yeah. And um, also, uh, like, kind of with the mind sweep, like, um, like they kind of looked out there and saw um, people were sort of really back into their vinyl. People were really uh, like becoming audiophiles again, rediscovering mm. the um, the joy of great sound, and 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 they put out their most sort of like audiophilic record. Yeah, yeah, so 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 this is a this is a band who sort of sort of been like I think yes I think rather than bandwagon jumping I'll call it they've been quite reactionary throughout yeah. their entire yeah, yeah. career and this is their most insular record um, mostly summed up by the fact that um, Raul Reynolds produced it himself yeah so there was still um, um, assistance from Weller I think but yeah. this is the first one but only slightly and this, I think it's the first one yeah where he's where Raul's taken the front seat essentially and this this is the record that they've gone like, like sort of this is what we like um and kind of like sod you if you don't like it mm. so like and, and and they've said on this rec- uh, with this record like we like Igor Stravinsky as much as we like I don't know Dua Lipa yeah. deal with it yeah. and and it's and it's all the better for it and yeah. like what my problem is there is why the fuck weren't they doing this all along yeah, 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 absolutely. They were always they were never held back by a label. Yeah, like that. That's the whole point about them. They were they were DIY. Yeah. They were on their own label. They could have done this whenever they wanted. Maybe it's a confidence. It might be a confidence thing. It might be the fact that, or it might have been that they were at a point in their career where they thought, well, we've got nothing to lose at this point. We've had mm. a good career, kind of thing. If this flops, then yeah. fucking so so be it. Um, I, I, and it's kind of exactly what I think the strength of this as my number one and is what Flash Flood was for me as, as my number two, is it's those, those examples of where they've felt the truest to themselves. Mm. They've felt the mm. kind of, like, it's been the most naturally, it's come out of them naturally because it's what they've wanted to make, mm. essentially. Mm. Um, I just, yeah, I, I adore this album. I think it's amazing. It, 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 it was exactly what I needed when it came out kind of near the, the, the sort of end of the first initial horrendous lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was my kind of album of the summer. Um, and it's got such a positive vibe to it overall, I'd say, which mm. is exactly what, <laughs> what I needed at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that probably helped a lot in my kind of love of it. But uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's really strong. And something else I wanted to mention about it as well, because you haven't really brought this up, which I'm quite pleased about, but I, I think a lot of people um, have, accused, have accused them before 
and accused Raoul before, especially in terms of the lyrics and the political side of the band, like how political they are and have been since the second album onwards, of kind of it almost being a bit tokenistic and kind mm-hmm. of a bit sixth form politicsy kind of, which at times the lyrics can be. Yes. Um, and they can at times, I'd say, stray into kind of Matt Bellamy territory as well. Right. Uh, of like the mystical they, like who, who is mm-hmm. they. Um, mm-hmm. What I like about this is uh, he's been aware of that and he's writing a companion book of essays for each track mm-hmm. going into detail because he properly researched everything uh, that the songs are about. It's all from kind of things he feels passionately about and he kind of thought actually he's going to jump ahead of people this time so that they can't accuse it of that and be like, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm writing a companion text to the album to kind of back up what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that's got, I, 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 you know, it might be crap and unreadable. Who knows? But, <laughs> but I, admire, I admire the fact that he's kind of actually just taken control of that. Yeah, so, no, I, I uh, yeah, you, you, you've sort of made my argument for me there. Like, mm. yes, the lyrics are sometimes a bit, trite and six for me and sometimes they're a bit sort of like like we said earlier like they'll they'll make this grand grandiose point about sort of um socialism and then follow up with like a whoa yeah. um but um uh <laughs> but Rao, a bit as i said at the top of this podcast Rao always says sort of the right things mm. on social media so you can tell he uh, he does genuinely fucking believe in what he's saying yeah. It's just that sometimes he doesn't put the right right face behind it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, although with the lyrics on this record, I wanted to go straight into uh, my worst part. Um, mm-hmm. I coin memes a lot on this um, on this podcast <laughs> so far, so I think um, the best uh, the best caption for uh, the lyric "We're apocaholics drinking gin and tonics" is uh, "Thanks, <laughs> thanks, I hate it." <laughs> I did. Do you know what? I thought you might hate that one. I quite like it. I quite like it in the context of the song. Uh, but I absolutely <laughs> predicted that and appreciate why that might be. Yeah. And then, ergo, my worst song is Apocaholics Anonymous. Yeah. Because I'm... it's just repeating that shitty line. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then having the, uh, the audacity to mix in and still we will be here standing like statues. Yeah. Like their, their, their most legendary lyric from back know, in the that, day. Does that appear there? Yeah, yeah, it does. At the end of Apocalypse. It's, it's mixed in with the Chipmunk voice. Uh, I didn't notice that. Because it's, obviously it comes back in a big way in uh, Reprise 3. Yeah. Um, which which made me excited because it's the first time it's appeared on one of their albums for for a while. I don't think it was on the previous two before this. Yeah, um, so it's quite nice to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I I do agree. I think that that's one of the weaker points on the album. Mm-hmm. But I quite like that. I feel like it's it's I feel like it's done in quite a cynical, sarcastic way, which is maybe why it doesn't grate me as much. <laughs> Um, should we should we should we do lowlights because I think I feel we're gonna mm. wax lyrical about a lot of this record. So yeah. let's get let let let's get about stuff we don't like so much out of the way. Um. So as a, as a general lowlight, I've gone for a similar. I kind of hate the fact, really, that I've gone for this, but. Um, similar to the point I made with Oh So Quiet with Björk, mm. where it's a great song, but. 
doesn't fit does it, with the album. Does it doesn't necessarily belong on the record. I feel the same way about um, Energy for Extinction, the, oh. the, the orchestral piece. I love okay. it. Now, do not get me wrong. I, I think it is stunning. Mm-hmm. And I think it is an incredible achievement and an absolute testament to the ambition that they had with this album and that Rao has as a musician, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he, he, went, he's, he, he scored it all, he went and recorded it with the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. Amazing. Um, and it's incredible. The reason I've said that I'd rather it maybe not be here is because I feel like it, it seems quite, it feels quite random in the context of the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically he's been writing and scoring a lot of classical music recently and he's working on a classical project. Mm-hmm. And this was originally part of that and he felt like the melodies sounded quite Shikari-esque, mm-hmm. which I kind of I get. I kind of feel like I'd rather he'd just been patient and kind of actually done something with it in in the original context um, rather than put it on here. Because mm. mm. I feel like it maybe gets a bit lost or confused in the context of the album, whereas it's deserving of more than that. Okay, so, I mean, I... I would I would put it far from my um, my worst part or worst song because um, I think the best part um, of this record is the um, I'm going to call it the suite of songs from Tina, Elegy yeah. for Extinction, Marionettes Part One and Two into Satellites. Yeah. I think that run is fucking exquisite, mm-hmm. and it's perhaps the best song run of Shikaru's entire career. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't argue with you. Like I said, I, I don't. I, there's nothing I dislike about about uh, extinction at all. I, I adore it, but uh, yeah, can't argue with that. <laughs> um, anything, anything else you wanted to you wanted to point out before we go back into highlights? Not really. I mean, I'll do my worst song just because mm-hmm. it's kind of a throwaway. Because I don't even really know if it is. Again, it's quite a new album. And mm-hmm. I'm still in love with it, and so it's difficult to choose an, an outright thing that is my least favourite on it. Um, I've gone with the King. Yeah. Um, it's agree, another banger. With that. Yeah. It's another banger. It's another great chorus, but it kind of is just another great. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing about it that necessarily. Yeah. Um, stands out on its own for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. It's yeah. Like. I'd agree with that, especially coming in the wake of um, that 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 run. Mm. I, I I I liked so much. It's like um, it's quite repetitive get, as well. Yes, yeah, okay, and like it's not doing anything like the great unknown across the Rubicon did so early on in the record. It's just c- going back over over already trodden ground. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, and I and I guess it's sort of like a bit of a. It's a bit of a token effort to say, okay, we've done this grandiose sort of run of songs. Now here's some guitars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, more highlights from you. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I've, I've covered my best parts of this record, but The Great Unknown and To Crossing the Rubicon is an excellent intro as well. Yeah. So, great, great. I, I remember I can properly, and obviously it wasn't that long ago, but I vividly remember first listening to this album because like I said it was that one I was like nervous listening to it because mm. like, this is either this is either going to be the album that makes me leave Shikari behind the, mm-hmm. the muse moment we'll call it yeah 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 um, or the moment where 
I start really trying to champion them again as a band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did the latter, and I knew it was going to be that album from that first track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big part of that as well is I was blown away by how good a job he's done on the production. Yeah. I mean, especially if you listen in headphones, it just sounds gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Like there's it's, so yeah. much going on, but it doesn't clash. It all mixes perfectly, and it's so interesting. The vo- especially the kind of vocal production, there's some really interesting things going on there with like pitch shifting and things. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, I'd, I, I'd a note for Crossing a Rubicon that um, a lot of people uh, in, their, in, in the reviews I came across have likened this record to the 1975. Okay. And um, I think if I saw that point, um, well, so my first reaction to that is if the 1975 sound like this, get me in on a 1975. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. And that's because A, they're quite boring, and B, Matty Healy has an incredibly punchable face. Um, I, I, but- I couldn't think of, like, I feel like I've just fallen more and more in love with Rao as a person. I think he's an adorable little man. Uh, <laughs> so I think a big part of that, so actually, I'll mention this, at this, at this with this album before I forget. So the five for five fest that happened um over oh, yeah. of, like streaming performances um enter shikari's was the highlight by far mm. for me if you haven't seen it, it's worth it. it's on youtube still i think to catch up on from ages ago it's worth going and finding it because the the tracks they perform from this album um it's great and you can tell it's a band still absolutely loving what they're doing and having fun with it yeah um cool yes um do go check that out. Um, so, no, what I wanted to say about Crossing the Rubicon is yeah, it puts, puts me in the 1975, but I think this would be my most 1975 track if I was making that comparison. Mm. But I think it puts me more in the mind of, uh, of Don Broco, which um, I forgot to say earlier when I mentioned them. It's kind of their DIY band legacy. Like, they're, they're the only ones other than Low Atlantis that they've kind of brought through. Yeah. Which is a shame because I liked on Broco. I actually think they're quite fun. But um, <laughs> a, a beautiful friend bringing flu through employed to serve. It is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what have we got? What, what, what else have you got down for? Um, the, the, uh, for Dreamers Hotel was the first single. I think that's a great song. Yeah. Um, and a, and a case of where he's t- he's done his thing with the lyrics of taking a big kind of metaphor for a political situation. Um, I think it's one of his most successful examples of that as well. Mm-hmm. So the whole the whole theme of it is the idea of kind of, it's still kind of Brexit-based mm-hmm. mostly, the idea of kind of those people who orchestrated it all being on the inside mm-hmm. uh, and kind of imagining that the country are kind of excited and <laughs> and kind of cheering them on when actually there's nothing there. <laughs> it's kind of it's <laughs> flops. Um yeah, so I, I think that, that's a, a waltzing off the face of the earth. We've got to talk about um, because again, another massively ambitious track. Mm-hmm. That if you were to if if you were just to kind of read the premise of it on paper, it would sound like it'd be pretty shit. Yeah, um, but 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 it's fantastic, and I love the way he gradually. I think you can tell he's got really into his orchestral writing on this mm-hmm. album as well, because there's a lot of yeah. musicality on here that, that wasn't present before. But the mm. way it gradually kind of shifts in key and tone as yeah. it goes on to come more sinister. I saw so he put something on Twitter the other day actually saying he feels like he could do an annual uh, re-release of that track with new lyrics every year <laughs> based on whatever's going on at the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, with, I, I think we've talked about pretty much every other song already, really. Yeah, um, but um, we're still yet to do our best song. Um, and I am so fucking torn here. Same, same, same. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I think... <laughs> Do do, do uh, be inter- I'd be interested to see if we've got the same two. Um, I can't, I can't put a hair's breadth between. I've got, I've got three, and strictly speaking, four. To be honest. Okay, but, yeah. so I've got I've got a definite two, and I can't. I could flip a coin to choose between Tina and Satellites. Um, they're, my, they're my two. They're my top two. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I think Tina would just about edge it. It's exactly the way around. I've got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I, what I love about so satellites is is a banger. Uh, I think what's we need to acknowledge as well is that I don't know how much of, of the reason I love it so much is is finding out the kind of inspiration for it and the, and what it is about essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've looked into this at all or, or seen anything about it, but or gathered from the lyrics anyway. So it's, no. it's basically there kind of solidarity song with the LGBT community. Um, Amazing. So if you, if, if you know that and then listen back to it and pay attention to the lyrics again, it's, okay. it's incredible. Um, basically it's inspired, life, yeah. inspired by the fact that he's, uh, he's, he's got a, a friend who's gay who um, just in conversation mentioned the fact that he still kind of gets nervous holding his partner's hand in public mm-hmm. and made Raoul kind of think about the fact of, you know, I've never really thought about that as a heterosexual man. I've never had to think about that kind of thing and consider it and it got them to kind of think about it and that's where the song came from. Um, so I quite, it's difficult to set, when you know that, it's difficult to separate it, I suppose, and is a lot of why I think it's a great song. Because um, I think he's pulled it off really well and I know it's definitely been embraced by that community uh, who, who are into this kind of stuff, so that's a positive thing. Um, and I, I have Crossing the Rubicon up there as well. I think that's a really mm-hmm. good, really yeah. good pop song. Yeah. Um, and it's great to hear them having fun again and hmm. doing it in a way that is good to listen to <laughs> rather than being embarrassing. Um, uh, and the other one, was, uh, the fourth one is The Great Unknown as the opener. Cause okay, cool. It's, it's a great, great opener. But yeah, T- Tina is my top, top choice. Yeah, um, but um, yes, either way, on our uh, Rank Bank Spotify playlist, which uh, there'll be a link with uh, a link for in the, in the uh, description mm. to this podcast, Tina and Satellites, uh, even though we can't quite choose one over the other, um, will be a fantastic addition, uh, yeah. both, both of them. But uh, yeah, yeah, both absolute, Tina and Satellites, both absolute career highlights for this band. Um, I, do you know what, mate? I am, I am made up that you like this album. It's great. Um, I was so nervous about what you were going to say about this one uh, because, mm-hmm. obviously, with our history of Enchiscari and <laughs> how we've differed in opinion, um, I was kind of, I was, I was starting to allow myself to think that you might like it based on what other people <laughs> I've spoken to have said about it. Uh, but I didn't want to go too far in case you crushed my dreams. Uh, but yeah, now I'm just really glad. I'm glad, and I, I I'd hope because I feel like they are a band that deservedly or not it depends on your opinion I suppose I feel like they're a band that have been victim of scene snobbery almost a lot of the time and that kind of thing do you know what I mean I get the feeling that they have a reputation as an uncool band and a kind of (laughs) you know is that fair to say yeah Um, yeah. and I I just I would love for this album to be the one that kind of does something to try and at least shift that a little bit (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Like after this podcast, I I will be going to people who like sort of modern pop music and being like, "Yeah, have you actually checked out this new Andrew Shikari mm. album? It's, yeah. it's pretty decent. Yeah, you might you might get something out of it. You might dig it." And um, yes, I think that brings us to the end. Um, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by um, Nitip and um, by getting the mind sweep on second mm. try. Um, yes, I, I think I will go back to um, Flash Flood um, and a Spark in future. I think actually something I wanted to point out there um, mm. is that um, with, with with that last record is that um, if there's if there's any point to this podcast, it is that it might give us records that we might sort of go back and listen to occasionally think, oh, I might listen to that. Or uh, And mm. um, nothing is true and everything is possible will become one of those, I think, every few weeks. Oh, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll go back to that last, uh, last Shikari record. And um, thank you very much for bringing me that um, with, it, uh, with, with, with this chat. I think that's a good point as well to mention that I'm glad... It's been quite nice from my perspective to do this episode because it's the first one that we've done where it's been this way around, where yeah. I've known the discography more than you have. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been quite nice to be on that that side of it, not from a kind of, I don't know, not like an egotistical point of view or anything like that, but just because I was, I was excited and intrigued to see what you were going to make of some of those albums on first listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. So yeah, I think I, I think I'll um try um the spark and the flash flood of colour again, see if they see if they do hit and see if I can become maybe even an Ed Shikari fan, who knows? Um <gasps> I may be more of a um Ed Shikari uh sympathist. Sympathizer. Sympathizer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh not 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 synthesizer, because that's what they do. <laughs> Anyway, yes, that brings us to the end of our chat on Ed Shikari. I hope you've enjoyed. Uh, Stay tuned for the next part. The uh, penultimate part of our podcast is uh, The Niche of the Better our uh, top fives vaguely linked to the um, the week's discussion. So, uh, as we said at the top of this podcast, vaguely based on the fact that uh, uh, Shikari have a song in their first record called Johnny Sniper, a song I don't like very much. Um, <laughs> we did our top five songs about John or Johnny. So, but, uh, we'll go into our honourable mentions first, and Chris... I understand from our pre-podcast chat you would like to take the floor for a minute. I mean, I've been wondering about how to talk about this um, because one of them features in my top five mm-hmm. that I want to talk about here okay. and others feature in my honourable mentions. But, um, so, so we've, we've kind of skirted around this issue in previous episodes, whether it be with top fives or... Um, sort of just discussions that have come up and things um, and we sort of were chatting earlier like I say and decided actually I feel like we need to just address this head on because it's going to keep coming up um, yeah. and and I was thinking about it this week and I was thinking actually it's it's better to address it because my whole issue with this uh, and we are talking about sexual deviancy and sexual criminality 
mm -hmm. musicians. Yep. Um, and kind of their fans and the media and the world in general kind of glossing over it uh, because they're legends. Yeah. Um, and I know me and you have had conversations about this endlessly. Like, we've had lots yeah. of conversations about this. Um, but I felt like for the sake of the podcast, we should just kind of acknowledge, because I don't want... I don't. There's some songs, as, like one of the ones we're inevitably going to mention in songs about the Johnny, mm -hmm. that are massive on the musical, in music history, essentially. Yeah. Yep. You can't. You can't pretend that pretend they don't exist. You can't pretend they didn't have a massive impact on music. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, I don't think the approach should be that you don't talk about those people and those artists. It should be you talk about them. You talk about the impact you had. You talk about the amazing art they created. But you make sure you talk about the shit that they did as well. Yeah. Um, and I know sure. you mentioned uh, that it was um, particularly pertinent this week with, with the passing of Phil Spector. Yeah. Who was um, named. And how uh, that was reported. Yeah, so named um, in the BBC, uh, by BBC News as uh, talented but flawed Phil Spector, who is, of course, famously mm. a convicted murderer. Yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous that we are still doing that. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I was initially the first, so the first one I realised this was going to be an issue with was a band that I've wanted to bring up in a previous top five and I did, just didn't mention them because I thought actually no I'm not just going to I'm just going to not give them any airtime mm -hmm. um, and I thought this time I, thought, I can't keep doing that because then it's not doing anything we've got to actually mention it so uh, Johnny Kick a Hole in the Sky by Red Hot Chili Peppers Mm -hmm. um, is one of my favourite early Chili Peppers songs um, it's in my noble mentions as a song um, but Anthony Kiedis is one of the people I think in, uh, in our times in a, who is still active that this applies to the most um, mm -hmm. because he wrote in his own book you know this isn't news people know about this I'm not going to be shocking anyone by saying this he wrote in his own book that he is guilty of statutory rape. Mm -hmm. Like he wrote, and uh, he wrote about the fact that he slept with, I think it was a 14 year old, was it 14 or 15? Yeah. Yep. Um, Schoolgirl, while, while the band were touring. Um, he learned about her age after they'd had sex and then had sex with her again. And he writes about that in his book almost in a bragging way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not only, you've got the difference here, you've got people like that, you've got people like, so brand new we've kind of hinted at before with Jesse Lacey and yeah. anyone who kind of knows the kind of music we know knows what happened there and we're still kind of you know did with struggle. the fallout yeah and we struggle to listen to brand new not because we don't think we should necessarily just because there's an emotional connection there and it's difficult yeah um, but even with that no matter how sincere you might think it was or not at least he fucking attempted an apology hmm. uh, and at least he kind of and again only he will know how true it is was seeking help for that and trying to fix that part of himself 10 years before those allegations came out. Right. How true that is, we don't know. Only he knows that. All yeah. people around him know that. Um, Anthony Kiedis has never done anything like that. He's no. never apologised. He has never said yeah. it was wrong. Um, no. Neither have his bandmates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the song Catholic Schoolgirls Rule, which was written exactly about that incident. They still played that as late as 2007. Like, okay, hell. Yeah. So my, my initial, my, my thought with Chili Peppers has always been, oh, yeah, he's an absolute scumbag. He's, he's proper cunt. But I'm not going to blame the rest of the band for that. They're amazing musicians. They've written amazing music. They've made an amazing contribution to rock history. 
all the other bandmates know about it. It's in his fucking book. Yeah, and, and they're complicit by writing that fucking song, yeah. They don't bring it up. They don't yeah. say, no, I'm not playing that song. Yeah. They don't talk about it. Like, oh. And I'm not, I warned you I was going to go on a rant about this, but I'm fucking no, fed up of it. No, like, I'm yeah, so you're fed right. up of it. You're right. So uh, one that's in both of our honourable mentions, I think, is um, another one to uh, bring up here is uh, David Bowie with John I'm Only Dancing. Uh, yeah. David Bowie um, was obviously pa- uh, passed away a few years ago, which makes mentioning his problematic elements um, raw, but they should be mentioned anyway because the fact is he and another John pertinent to the conversation, uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, uh, John Peel I was talking about before, by the, yeah. by the way, um, yeah. all slept with underage women. And it's uh, not... Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop was part of that group. Yeah. As well. And like... And, like, you can make all the fucking excuses you want. It was a different time. Like, it was less easy to prove age. But yeah. they still fucking did it. It was still illegal. <laughs> it was still fucking yeah. illegal, absolutely. These they're, girls were not the, these old guys, enough. They were not old enough of, to consent. No. These guys are slightly older than our own dads. Yeah, absolutely. Like, think about that. Think about that next time you make that excuse. Can you? Yeah. What would you feel like if your dad sort of said to you oh yeah I slept with a 13 year old back in yeah, the day yeah yeah but like even even when they were like touring and doing these things they were still in their mid to late 20s and the age yeah. difference is fucking terrifying yeah, yeah. the abuse of um, power like the, the, yeah it's, 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 it's mad um, there was uh, I didn't realise um, as well until fairly recently so there's the, also the story the allegation of um, Jimmy Page yep uh, like essentially kidnapping an underage groupie and locking her in his room. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise that's the same girl that slept with Bowie. Right. So I, when I read into this, I, I found out, so it was this group of groupies mm-hmm. around that kind of, and the Stones, the Rolling Stones were involved with this group as well. Yeah. Now I don't know if this nickname for that group, do you know about the nickname? No. So they had a nickname of the Baby Groupies. I don't know if that was a nickname they gave themselves or if the musicians gave them. Either right. way, it's fucking sick. And it yeah. means it proves, it proves they knew what they were doing. Yeah. Because either they gave them that nickname because it was like, haha, they're underage. Yeah. Or they gave themselves that name and the musicians didn't think to go, why have they called themselves that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you've got any doubt in your mind, you check. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, you know? just just don't do it. Or just, just don't, because you think, oh, you seem a bit young for me, that's probably a bit just, seedy and wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, like, I want some sex tonight, why don't I sleep with a woman my own age? Yeah. <laughs> there's, plenty uh, of be- there's plenty of beautiful women out there that probably want you because you're a fucking rock star, don't sleep with a 14-year-old, please. Yeah. Um, and so, so, I mean, do you mind if I give away one of my... I don't want to ruin the rankings here, but well, one of them well, is no, in my rankings. Well we'll, well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that one. We'll get to I the know. other one. We'll I, d- I, I feel one. like I don't want to drag the rant out, but I mean, yeah. I don't want to ruin our rankings either. I'm not going to let cuntish behaviour ruin our podcast. So anyway. <laughs> let's just wait and do it again then. Yeah. So let's go through some honourable mentions on uh, on happier climbs. Uh, yes. uh, and, and, I, and I say that ironically because I'm going straight back, straight into City in Colour with Body in a Box. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the saddest songs by one of the saddest men. Yeah. Um, I've got Queen to the Stone Age, Regular John. Ah, uh, I didn't think of that yeah, one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got, uh, they're, they're back again. 
I've got me first in the Gimme Gimmies with Sloop John B. <laughs> Same song as well. And, a, and, a, and a, another honourable mention. I just far prefer it to the Beach Boys version. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, 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 got a, I've got a cover, actually, as one of mine. Okay. Um, so I've still got quite a lot here. I genuinely thought when we suggested this top five that it'd be quite tricky to find yeah, a yeah. lot of songs. Turns There's out it's not. loads. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so all of my list, all my honourable mentions and my top five all just came from me searching the word John in my right. Apple Music library. <laughs> yeah, okay. So not even all the songs that are out there, just the ones that I have saved to my library. Yeah. Um, so there's probably some great ones that I don't have on here, but uh, that's how I had to do it, just to, just to give me some chance of whittling it down. Um, but as a cover, I've got quite high up in my honourable mentions, which is Placebo's cover of Johnny and Mary, the Robert Palmer song. Okay. Um, don't ask me why. That song I've always just enjoyed, I like Robert Palmer's mm-hmm. version as well. I just think it's a really good pop song. It's a really catchy melody. Placebo are one of those bands that do covers brilliantly on the whole. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Like running their up, covers collection is, is fantastic. Running um, up that hill, amazing. Yeah. Um, and and their, their cover of Johnny and Mary, if you haven't listened to it, uh, I'd check that out because that's, that's up there. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Sleep John B, the original Beach Boys version in my list, as, as mentioned. Uh, I mean, I've got quite a few. But there's quite a few that don't need mentioning, to be quite honest. It's <laughs> quite okay. a few. Uh, I've got now one that I, I most of them. I think all of mine except one have got the name John or Johnny in the title. Right. Okay. But there's one that I don't, which is okay. "House of Fun" by Madness. Oh, uh, okay. A song about a Johnny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew. I knew we'd get there at some point, and I'm see so what I did there. Yeah. See yeah. What I did yeah. There. yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's the only reason it's in my list. Uh, not because, you know, I quite like Madness. It's not one of my favourite Madness songs. Yeah, um, but no, I, I, I like that, that connection. I, I, tried to, I tried to make this joke, but couldn't think of any songs about condoms. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. For, Thank for, you. For, 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 for coming up with your safe sex anthem. Um, my, my joke mentions mm. are ones, are songs I could think of that... <laughs> so when it's someone called John... And they're singing in the first person. It's technically about John. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Didn't think about that at all. That was so. So right in, my, in my in my honourable mentions, I have Johnny Cash's "Ring of Fire." I fell into a ring of fire. <laughs> and and Elton John, I'm still standing. <laughs> That's stretching it. <laughs> <laughs> I also had, which is even more tenuous, right? Okay. Yeah. So. <clears throat> You're the one that I want from Greece is about Olivia Newton John. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've got yeah, I can't you know. Well done. <laughs> uh, I'll mention uh, just a few I've got a couple that I might mention as we go through our top fives because they're kind of related, but um Okay. A few just to mention that won't get mentioned otherwise. Uh John the Fisherman by Primus. Primus. Yeah. Uh, there's a song John and Jimmy by Modern Life is War, which is great. Lovely. There's uh, oh, Johnny I forgot Ripper. about that with him. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Ripper by the Blood Brothers. Okay. Uh, Johnny 99 by Bruce Springsteen from Nebraska album, one of his acoustic ones, which is really good. Yeah. Uh, we talked about them. Another double mention, FFS. Right. Uh, one of the best. One of the best tracks on that album is Johnny Delusional. Right. I think it might have been a single, actually. 
Uh, and a track that I have always really loved and can't really put my finger on why, well, kind of can, uh, from The Killer's second album, Sam's Town, you've got Uncle Johnny. Oh, okay, um, cool. Which has a very, I think, one of the more hot, fussy sounding right. songs okay. from that album. Uh, and Johnny from Johnny the Fox by Thin Lizzy. Right, okay, fine, fine. They're all, okay. they're all, my, they're all my big mentions. Um, two last ones. I've got, um, well... The antithesis of a shout-out um, is uh, The Boy Looked at Johnny by The Libertines. Um, I think we've discussed recently that the older I get, the less I like The Libertines. Yep. And, I, and I already didn't like them to start with. They were chances and heroin addicts who can play their instruments and, yeah, just <laughs> fashionista hipster wankers that thought they were punk. Thought they were punk. I just, yeah can't fucking stand the libertines they have no respect for their fans either like Pete Doherty right. doesn't fucking turn up, turn up for shows fuck them um, I think that's actually a, a, li- a line from one of their songs um, but anyway, I enjoyed the passion behind that, that um, but yes um, just outside for its um, significance is uh, My My Hey Hey by Neil Young this is a story of Johnny Rotten ah uh, okay and of course My My Hey Hey and is followed in the chorus by It's Better to Burn Out Than to Fade Away, which is the sign-off line of Kurt Cobain's suicide note. Mm. So, in we go into our top five. And um, so I'll go, I'll go first, and it's the one we get to talk about, kind of. So I've okay. got for number five, exclusively the version by Marty McFly. <laughs> of Johnny B. Good because it's one of the best moments of one of my favourite films of all time. Well, yeah. two of my favourite films of all time. Yeah, yeah. And for that amazing comedic moment of how of the film's writers taking a piss out of how everyone thinking white men invented rock and roll. Marvin! Sorry, it's cut Chuck, it's your cousin Marvin. Marvin <laughs> Berry. You know that hot sound you've been looking for? Well listen to this. Yeah. And yeah, I adore Michael J. Fox rocking out to the seven, to the fifties ball. Um, love this scene. Love this movie. Mike McFly doing Johnny B. Good. Fuck yeah. Do you reckon for our playlist it's possible to get that version? <laughs> do you reckon Chuck, it's on there? And not Chuck Berry. <laughs> yeah, if it's on there, do it. Um, I mean, I won't talk about it yet because it's it's higher up on my list. Okay, so, so what's we'll, your we'll number wait, five? We'll wait, we'll wait and get there. Uh, my number five, now this is the start of a trio of songs in my top five, which are going to change the flavour of our playlist slightly. Okay. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say straight away, it's not my fault. Okay. It's not my fault that so many folk songs were written about a John or a Johnny. <laughs> right, okay. Uh so number five I've got probably the most kind of covered and uh, or most performed and recorded uh, folk song about a John you've got the song John Henry um, comes from around I think the first written version of it was from around 1900 or something there's a Lead Belly version which is great and there's a Woody Guthrie mm-hmm. version which is great cool um, Lead Belly's always great obviously yep. but I think I'd pick Woody Guthrie's version of this particular song um it's just an American folk song about uh, John Henry who battles uh, a new um, 
like machine to break up rocks uh, mm-hmm. and he's there smashing them with his hammer and the machine's breaking them up and he does it faster yeah that's essentially it <laughs> but yeah iconic american kind of folklore song um i love my folk so there it is cool uh my number four is a little bit folky it's yeah. uh it's dixie's midnight runners with come on eileen oh, oh no, johnny ray oh, of course yeah Fair. You've done you've done well with this. You've gone much more <laughs> creative with it. I wish I'd thought thought more about it. I had too yeah. much to choose from as it was. Uh, Come on, yeah, Eileen. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. Um, yeah, just uh, <laughs> oh, you bastard! You've got Come on, Eileen on our playlist. <laughs> Talura, yeah. But you can just listen. You, you could ju- you could just think of that um, amazing scene in Spaced when. Uh, Brian gets the drink knocked out of his hands and punched in the face, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Come I've got to share. I mean, uh, this, this, this story might not mean a lot to people listening, but I, I think there's, there's crossover appeal here, but I've got to talk about it with that song being mentioned. I cannot now ever hear or think of that song um, without thinking of the time that I was away uh, for a friend's stag do in Ibiza. You mm-hmm. know which friend. Yep. Uh, it was the first weekend off season, so you know it wasn't Ibiza, Ibiza. But yep. most of the kind of bars and things were open. Yeah. And on the big night out of this stag do, we were there. It was about halfway through the night. We were at this this bar kind of mini club. The usual Ibiza tunes, kind of playing. Yeah. No one else was there really. It was just our group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the DJ decided to go and wander off and have a chat with someone for a while because, you know, nothing was really happening. Mm-hmm. At which point, the stag in the state that he was in just decides to go, get up, go and walk behind the DJ's decks and everything. It was just a laptop job. Um, and he lined up Come On Eileen about <laughs> ten times. <laughs> and it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. <laughs> And for, and for that reason, it has to be in our playlist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is another folky one. I don't know much yep. about this song and the history of it or anything. I, I need to look into it. I didn't get a chance to. Um, but uh, So it's called Lost John. Um, okay. And it's by Lon- Lonnie Donegan, the King of Skiffle. Yep. Uh, there's a great book that I'm halfway through reading at the moment by Billy Bragg, all about the history of Skiffle and its impact on modern music. He's done a great short documentaries on TV about it before, how without Skiffle, you don't have the Beatles. Without the Beatles, you don't have punk. Without punk, mm-hmm. you don't have anything that we love, essentially. Bloody so, blah, blah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, for some reason, Skiffle kind of gets written out of that musical history as kind of the uncool British kind of thing that you don't talk about. But it was a direct link between kind of the American folk and blues and the British kind of rock scene that came out in the 60s and the 50s. So... Uh, yeah, so Lost John by Lonnie Donegan is a great one, and that's there. Cool. Okay. Number three, um, <clears throat> I, I'm not ta- too sure if you're going to be familiar with this one. I hope you are, because it's fantastic. Um, this is The Fine Young Cannibals with Johnny Come Home. I don't Do know, you know from, from the title, no. 
Okay, so obviously everyone, uh, people know the fine young cannibals, most famous mm. for uh, She Drives Me Crazy and their cover of um, Elvis Presley's best song, uh, Suspicious yep. Minds. Um, but uh, Johnny Come Home is an earlier single from them um, when they just got out. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but the fine young cannibals had a, a form from the fallout of the beat and the selector to uh, okay. English ska bands. But mm. um, yes. Obviously, employed the services of singer Roland Gift for um, for the Fine Young Cannibals, and Johnny Come Home is um, I like it. It's it's a it's quite a cheesy, just generally eighties song. Like just a, just just a good little song, but um, I like that it's it's kind of a counterpart song to do you know Small Town Boy by Bronski Beat? Yeah, yeah. So in that song, the boy runs away from his parents because they can't handle his sexuality. Mm. And it, um, but the theme of Johnny Come Home is um, the parents calling for their son to come back. Don't get into the drink and drugs of of of, of that London. Um, but um, Johnny Come Home is something well worth investigating because I I um, I remember this from a few years ago. I think this is one of the all time great top of the pops performances. Um, Roland Gift is a very handsome man and um, he's very tall and athletic looking and he's got this great unique voice and like on top of the pops he's dancing around and doing his thing and it's, it's, it's yeah for anybody out there that likes men I would recommend looking up <laughs> Uh, Johnny, Johnny, uh, Johnny, come home on YouTube by uh, by the fine young cannibals. It's um, it's it's a sight for sore eyes. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just a just a, just a really good song, and um, yeah, that TOTP uh, performance, well worth checking out. Uh, um, wow. Especially if you like handsome men. <laughs> Lovely. With, with with good dance moves. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay, so we leave, we finish off the triplet of folk here with a different mm. folk branch off. And this yep. is a particularly relevant one now. And I'm kind of, don't know how I feel about it. So I made my top five uh, for this a couple of weeks ago. And between me doing, in the time between me doing that and now, um, there's been the most bizarre thing that only 2021 could throw at us, which is the TikTok sea shanty phenomenon. <laughs> I've had uh, the Weller man stuck in my head all week. Now I'm in, I'm in two minds about this because it's kind of, this is my Biffy Cairo moment. Uh, <laughs> I love sea shanties. Uh, I've gone to the Falmouth Sea Shanty Festival about three times, I think. Would have gone last year if it wasn't cancelled due to one thing or another. Yeah. Um, uh, more people should be into them and yeah. so that part of me is glad that this is happening but yeah. there's the part of me that's sad because I know it's just going to be a bit of a novelty fad that people will laugh at for a while and then it will go away again so um, basically basically, what you're saying here was is um, I like sea shanties before they were cool yes yeah. yeah. what I do love is that my favourite sea shanty group are a group called the Longest Johns yes who a uh, group of young, quite, quite young guys. They're always the highlight of the festival because they've got a great sense of humour. They're great performers and they've got fantastic voices. They know and, their songs really and, well. And it's and it's their cover of the Willowmen that's that's the TikTok yeah. meme. Yeah, and it's in the charts. Yeah, the longest. 
What's, what is going on with the world right now where I can say the sentence, the longest Johns are in the official charts <laughs> with a single? It's bizarre. Anyway, um, my particular song choice for number three is one that I've also just seen someone share a video of them. They've done this big project of like a big mass choir thing online of this song. It's mm-hmm. worth checking out. Uh, but it's Leave Her, Johnny Leave Her, uh, is one of my favourite shanties anyway. And I'm lucky enough that, again, just like with most folk songs, there's quite a lot of Johnny-based shanty <laughs> songs. Uh, and that's the best of them. Uh, Fisherman's Friends version is kind of the one that's obviously easiest to come across and to okay. get hold of and find. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, they are the big household shanty name, but that's because they're really <laughs> good at it. Uh, there's also John Kanaka is another famous one. Okay. Uh, but that's a bit more... I don't know. I don't enjoy that one as much. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, cool. in theme, in theme with what's going on in the music landscape right now, we shall have a shanty on our list. Good. I'm so glad we covered uh, the Wellermen on on this week because yes, <laughs> soon may the Wellermen has been going over and over in my head. Um, my number two is potentially the best Foo Fighters song that was never a single. <laughs> Chris is currently covering his he- face with his hands because he's forgotten Hey Johnny Park exists. Why didn't this come up in my search when I searched the library? <laughs> I'm pissed off. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it would have been in my top five still, but I'm still annoyed that it didn't come up. Yeah. You're going to be even more annoyed if you didn't think of my number one. But uh, yeah, Hey Johnny Park, mm-hmm. one of the best riffs of Foo Fighters' entire career. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's so simple and so fantastic, and uh, yeah, Color and the Shape probably still their best record. Well, I mean, I say still easily their best record mm. probably, and uh, yeah, Hey Johnny Park is an absolute highlight. The best song on this on that album that's not ever long. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Yeah. Oh, my hero though. Okay. Yeah. Fine. I'll get. I'll, I'll give you that. It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a close one between. I, I but I have a lot of love with, for Hey Johnny Park yeah, and yeah, yeah. and um, and February Stars actually while we're on it. But yeah. it's a good album. Though. It's just a bloody good. Al- <laughs> it's, it's the color and the shape of the Foo Fighters. Generally quite regarded as a fairly good album. <laughs> quite um, all right. Yeah. Quite all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, not much more to say there. So we're going to your number two. Uh, John Woo by Botch. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we've got the folky, 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 botch in your face. Uh, yeah. Ice chase, botch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say anything else. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I almost want to do your number one first, but so we can end this on a high note. I'm happy to do that so we can get the yeah. shittery out of the way and then just, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, so it's Johnny Be Good. Um, yeah. You know, there's. We'll, we'll talk about. Uh, I'll talk in a minute about. You know, Chuck Berry's. Because I didn't realise what a shithead Chuck Berry was until quite recently. Yeah. Um, but we need to say the first thing. Like, th- I feel like I've always known this song, and I feel like most people feel like they've always known this song. It's just mm-hmm. one of those songs that you can't grow up. Um, in 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 our kind of society, as it were, and not and our culture and, and not be aware of in some way mm-hmm. I feel like even if you don't know you know it um, especially growing up uh, seeing my dad play in like rhythm and blues bands in pubs and things like this song is just always a staple of those kind of sets mm-hmm. um, 
and it's it's still something about it that's magical as a song it's, it's mm-hmm. just got that energy like you've, you've talked about that already with with, yeah. uh, with it in Back to the Future as well um, you know it doesn't need any more explaining it's, everyone knows what song it is and everyone knows how it goes and how great it is mm. um, the reason I did want to and this is the one really that, that made me really just go I'm fed up with this and, and, and message you and say right we need to just address it because mm-hmm. I can't have a song as my number one choice and not acknowledge the fact that Chuck Berry was a convicted child sexual predator, mm-hmm. uh, for want of a better phrase, you know, I don't, I'm clutching at things here, but, you know, he, he, he was in jail for two years for taking an underage girl over state lines mm-hmm. to have sex with her. Yeah. Um, he was convicted of that, he served time for that, and that yeah. was near the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, you've then got you know he, that was ignored and he, he was you know I'm, I'm all for I'm very much for prison being you know you, you do you, you do your prison sentence and it's about reform and it's about you come out and you you know you forgive people and you give people a second chance and things so I'm not by any means saying he was convicted and in prison therefore it makes him even worse than these other people we've talked about and he should be given even less of a chance that's not what I'm saying at all however what I am saying is the fact that in the 80s, he was then also convicted of planting hidden cameras in the toilets of a restaurant he owned. Yeah, I remember uh, this. And owning several videotapes from those cameras. Well, I mean, I don't um, remember this. I wasn't alive, but I remember yeah, reading yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why was that just brushed out of his yeah. history and his legacy? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up idolising this man as, as a rock and roll pioneer with no idea about any of that yeah um, and obviously as a child you're not going to tell people about that kind of thing because it's just yeah. not appropriate to tell children about it but it comes a point where you'd kind of you'd hope that it'd be pretty pretty out there for you to discover about um, and, and I found out I found out about it through reading a really good Guardian article um, when he died and it was basically saying making what, what you said earlier about David Bowie about it still being quite a sore point because he passed fairly recently Mm. Chuck Berry died in 2018, I think it was, mm-hmm. and it was a similar thing. You know, all the all, every musician from every corner of music was coming out and and saying what an amazing man, all this kind of thing. Mm. And it was kind of saying, look, we need to be comfortable with with saying both. With yeah, saying yeah. yes, he was an amazing musician. He did incredible things for for music. Uh, for black music, he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he was a pioneer. He, you know, all of this stuff. Um, the godfather of rock and roll he was also a horrendous sex pest yeah yeah and and by and by guilting people and saying and the, you immediately people if you say that when someone's died people are like oh give it a rest he's died like do I like, that that's what gives these people the power when mm. they are doing it yeah that's yeah, yeah. what means that they can get away with doing it because they have yeah. that legacy state that legend status they have that power and mm-hmm. they go, oh, it's all right, I can do it, and it won't affect my career, because yeah. I'm Anthony Kiedis, yeah, or yeah. Wh- whoever I'm it Jimmy is. I'm Jimmy Page, yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just think it was a really good article. I just think it's something that uh, I think people almost feel too awkward to talk about a lot of the time in detail, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Manson, Mar- I'm going to go off, I'm going I'm to mention it now, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Why do people not talk about Marilyn Manson? Mm-hmm. You know, in, in oh, all but, but name. Well, well, in metal- all but name, he has been accused of, of horrible things. Well, Metal Hammer tried to and he put the phone down on him. Yeah. 
<laughs> but, 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 people, but people still, you know, all the big... I still see people on Twitter who, you know, not even, even all the big names, but the ones with big listenerships, podcasts, and people who promote his albums yeah. and do interviews with him and features with him. Yeah. Um, and don't mention it. Yeah, yeah. I know. <sighs> anyway, yeah. there we go. Anyway, um, talking of uh, horrendous sex pests, we're back uh, to the uh, early 2000s emo scene. Um, <laughs> my number one, and I can't believe this hasn't come up anywhere for you, is uh, Glassjaw with You Think You're John Fucking Lennon. You think... So... So, you think you're John fucking Lennon, why is it my top Johnny song? So, this is my second favourite Glassjaw song. I'll put it out there. Um, only Might narrowly possibly be-, be my favourite Glassjaw song. Mm. Yeah, so, it comes from the quiet period, uh, as we'll call it, <laughs> where um, they only released two EPs between the years of 2001, 2 and 2018. Mm. Um <laughs> I uh, haven't quite got the right way of Andrew Shikari. Um, <laughs> so, yes, um, you think of John fucking Lennon, that drum loop, um, and the song fucking terrifies you out of nowhere still to this day. You yeah. don't know when it's going to come in, even after all this time. And it combines two of my absolute favourite things about Glassjaw, which is Daryl Palumbo screaming like a demented banshee into those soaring, incredible choruses. And it's yeah. got two of the best best examples of that, of their entire career, on You Think You're John Fucking Lennon. Yeah. Just an amazing song, and I cannot believe you didn't mention it. Um, Neither can I. Neither can I. <laughs> you don't know, Chris. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Anyway, um, obviously, and also with their problematic ele- elements, i.e., their entire first album, but yeah. um, they've 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 had the courage to actually disown that, so that's mm. good. Um, <laughs> so that brings us on to the last part of our podcast, which is our shout out section. Um, so. Um, yes, we've mentioned it a couple of times over the course of this podcast. We have a Spotify Rank Bank playlist, which we forgot to mention at all last week. Um, so the, a link will be in the description and it'll be updated by the time you listen to this with all our choices, including hopefully not some horrendous people, hopefully Martin McFly said, um, but uh, all our choices from... Um, <laughs> Ed Shikari and uh, what we've got coming up in our shout out in our shout out section um, so we do we do our, all our usual spiel of uh, we are a band we are called uh, well we are two members of a band <laughs> we are called My Eyes Roll and Ben um, you can find us on uh, Twitter Facebook and Instagram at the handle M-E-A-O-A-B uh, please give us a follow and um, yes this podcast is kind of brought to you by Grimheart Promotions which is our um, so yes we mention each time that uh, after the pandemic is over we're trying to put more gigs on we only managed one or two before um, before this all hit but we we want to we have um, you know not disposable income but uh, income comfortable income to be able to still want to put willingly put gigs on in our 30s because 
we're slightly mad. But I can't uh, wait to fill out my uh, my tax self assessment for Grimheart Promotions this week that will <laughs> include the numbers zero zero and zero. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a special time for you. But anyway, <laughs> yes, um, if you're in a band, if you manage a band, if you manage a venue, or if you just generally want to know about some cool gigs coming up, um, do please um, uh, give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Grimheart Promo. So, um, yes, we... Um, we have our shout out section we go into where we go into some of the music we've been enjoying recently um i think i went first last time so chris it's your turn to go first cool. um so uh i've got another album that's just come out that i, I absolutely love i Fabulous. think you more than likely would have heard of this band i'm pretty sure you would have done um so it's the new album by pompoco okay i don't uh, actually ah cool okay so um I assume named after the hilarious Studio Ghibli film about the raccoons with massive bollocks. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, they're a Norwegian... Um, I'll read you what they've said on their band camp to describe them, because I feel like that's the best way, really. Uh, they've described it as pure Norwegian punky sweetness, a punk attitude combined with a nerdy knowledge of pop history makes from an explosive package, often compared to La Tigre de Hoof and Duchess Says. That sounds brilliant. It's wonderful. The new album came out... Um, well, last Friday when we're recording this, so what was that, like the 15th of January? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's true, it's great, you'll have a great time. Go and find it. The, the album's called Cheetah. Uh, they supported Orchards on their last tour in Oh, fabulous. Big Orchards um, fan. I'm a big Orchards um, fan. Yeah, uh, which I was quite pleased to see because they were another band that I kind of thought, they're not, they're not massive similarities, but that kind of alternative guitar pop kind of vibe is there mm-hmm. there's kind of uh there's some very punky moments in in the pompoco things well, but it's all very kind of fun and upbeat and i feel like that's mm-hmm. what we need right now cool lovely that's great thank you very much for that recommendation um i've got a couple actually um so uh one of the one of them is um the dirty nil have you ever gone in mm. on this band no i haven't i saw something about the new the new record recently and i wanted to go in so i will maybe use it as an excuse so the big setting point of the dirty nil for you especially is i think they sound like pup but with more metal cool yeah yeah hello like <laughs> <laughs> and uh, their latest release fuck up is um is their best record yet Nice. It's um, yeah, all the fun of their first two records with a even tighter sound and um, more eighties fresh. So brilliant! Bring it on! Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it it came out as a surprise release on New Year's Day and uh, possibly the one of the best ways to celebrate twenty uh, the start of twenty twenty one. The other record I wanted to shout it out, which is another recent decent. Um, I don't know if you ever checked out the Emma Ruth Rundle and Thou record last year. Yeah, that was one of my one of my tops of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. I didn't realise you'd got into them because mm. um, I remember. So, um, me, you, and Alex, um, who was on last week, went to see Converge uh, together yes. live, and uh, Thou were one of the supports. And um, neither of you particularly got into it at the time. No, I struggle with that kind of music live. I yeah. think is what it is. If I don't yeah. already know it, I think it's difficult to pick up on the subtleties live. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably what it was. 
so um so yeah um but I, I've I've always been a big Val fan. I um I love their stuff and their Nirvana's covers Nirvana covers EP from a couple of years ago is also well 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 worth your time. But uh, yes, so their collaboration uh, the collaboration record between Val and Emma Ruth Rundle again love her. She's one of my favourites of that. Um, this might be my least favourite genre name of all time. Uh, death gospel <laughs> scene. You know, the oh, likes wow. of, I didn't even know about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. The likes yeah. of uh, Emma Ruth Rundle, Chelsea Wolfe, um, yeah. et al. Um, but uh, yeah, Emma Ruth Rundle is absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, May Our Chambers Be Full, their, their records where she collaborated with uh, Doomy Sludge Band, Thou, was absolutely fantastic. Both Chris and I, sounds like we absolutely loved it. But uh, the new EP, which Ooh. is called Amusingly, The Helm of Sorrow. <laughs> Um, might be even better. Wow, I've not checked it out yet, so I definitely will now. Uh, I was obviously yeah. going to anyway, but I'll, I'll make it a priority. It's it's certainly heavier. Oh wow! Okay, which might which might be why I like it even more. Mm. And I think um, yeah, through that heaviness, the chemistry between Val's musicianship and Emma's vocals comes mm. out even better. Uh, like more it's more reminiscent of her stuff in, when she was in bands like Marriage and Marriages and Red Sparrows yeah oh cool I was going to say I, lo- I love the Marriages record um, yeah. that we were on Arc Tangent Discovery for me so it's fucking to, wonderful to, yeah, yeah to hear her doing doing something like she did with the, with that Val record I thought was really exciting mm. yeah Lovely stuff. Cool. So, um, we... Oh, we ought to talk about our next episode. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, we have another guest and another member of our band coming on. We do we have, have other friends, honestly. We do have other friends, which, are, <laughs> which we are planning on bringing on soon. But, uh, yeah, we thought, we, we thought I'd, we'd give our props to the bandmates first. And so, next week... Uh, well, sorry, next time around, we have our lead guitarist, Matt Markham coming on to rank the discography of Mastodon and that (laughs) (laughs) oof indeed I have just started my listens and yes this will be a biggie because they're another band I I won't give away too many spoilers but uh, I I have mixed feelings on Mastodon Mm. and uh, yes but Matt is a big 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 Mastodon fan so that will be that will make for an excellent chat so uh hope you've enjoyed um our chat on enter shikari um much as you've enjoyed all the rest of our episodes because you know we're great um (laughs) if you if you haven't checked them out already um we have episodes up on uh, biffy clyro the dinder escape plan um Björk, uh, a top five on Ruben and uh, the White Stripes with uh, with Alex Moran. So uh, yeah, go back and check them out if you like, and um, and uh, follow us on our Twitter accounts for um, to give us some feedback, give us some abuse. If you're a big Enid Shikari fan, or if you uh, if you hate them, just uh, shout at Chris. Why on earth are you into this <laughs> uh, this this whole shit? Um, <laughs> but um, and uh, and and also, we'd love to hear from you if you want to be on a on a, on a future episode. Um, if you want to give us any, any feedback on our past episodes, um, and and uh, again, like we said last week, if you especially if you want to be on a future episode, if you're not a man. Um, <laughs> not a straight white male like we so tragically are 
Uh, I can be found on at O double L I E X C O R E. And Chris, you are on at C M Grumps. Lovely. So that's another episode in the can. Thank you ever so much for bearing with us. Uh, we will be back next time with Mastodon. But for now, uh, take care of yourselves. We're yeah still stuck in this everlasting fucking lockdown. We've just pa- we've just passed Blue Monday, but every Monday is a fucking Blue Monday at the moment. So keep looking after yourselves. Stay safe. We love you all. Take care. We'll see you soon for Mastodon. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>